Welcome to Hebrews Faith, a podcast focusing on biblical views for being a Christian. My name is Eric Hansen, and I am a servant of God at Hebrews Ministries. In today's episode, we'll be looking in the book of 3 John, where there's model behavior that can help us kind of get the idea of how to practice goodness in the modern world we live in. Before we get into the content of this episode, if you can and you'd like to, please bow your heads with me as we start off with a prayer. Dear Father, thank you for blessing this opportunity for us to gather and seek your holiness in this sin-filled world. Let this talk of bringing the quality and characteristics of Jesus Christ to our world be fruitful and pleasing to you. I ask that if it be in your will, Father, to bless those who hear this message, so that they may be filled with courage and the fear of you, so that we can all focus on serving the one true Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to address something that is fundamental about the opening of 3 John before we get into the meat of this topic. I want to bring attention to verse 2, where some bubbles like the CSB will say, Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health, just as your whole life is going well. It is important to note here that prospering is not in the context of the prosperity gospel, where the focus is on money, fame, power, and fortune. If you look at the same verse again, but this time in the ESV, it says instead, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health, as it goes well with your soul. In this translation, John is speaking of spiritual health, and that their physical health is well too, but again, the emphasis here is more so on guys' spiritual health. This is also a key important fact when reading this book, because there's two main characters here. Gaius and Diotrephus. The book of 3 John can be split into two parts, even as short as it is. Verses 1-8, through which you and I will discuss in this episode, are focused around Gaius, who is a loving and caring brother in the church. Verses 9-15, through which will be talked about in the next episode, is focused on Diotrephus, who is a church elder who we can consider is also power-hungry as well flexing the authority he has over the church he's serving. While John doesn't mention a specific church here, like Paul typically does, the historical facts line this book and the other two epistles of John somewhere around Ephesus, the same place Paul wrote about with his Ephesians epistle. In the broad scope of the first eight verses, John addresses the goodness of Gaius and how he wants him to encourage others to behave in a similar manner just as we should welcome and be encouraging of those who worship with us to continue to do so in their faith, or to find their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you currently attend a church, something I want you to ponder on for a little bit is asking yourself, is your church at home? I'm not talking about home to cook many meals, even though those fellowship moments can be an uplifting experience in themselves. A person who is seeking a church to call home 
may be looking for a place where they feel a connection and are able to join in solidarity with others, praise and pray to the Father. These people will most likely judge the safeness and legitimacy of a church by how the congregation behaves. Similarly to how God judges us as we get closer to the day of the Lord. Examine how your church treats those who are new to the building, whether they're already a believer or not. Don't just look at the first greeting, but if the person returns, examine those greetings as well. The first church I started attending had a great initial experience. People were talkative, encouraging for a return and pleasant. However, after the second or third visit, once the wife and I were no longer new, the indicators were starting to show. People would stick to who they knew and not be so concerned whether we felt comfortable or not. Even if your church is like the first church I started attending, there are ways to pivot to adjust the behavior to be more Christ-like, even if it's just for yourself. I sometimes find myself in an area where I struggle to welcome people as well, and I think this is more closely due to human nature and sin than it is some fear or concern. But when I start behaving this way, I try to remind myself what Jesus said about recognizing true believers like Gaius. Matthew chapter 7, 15 through 20 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from the thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. While I won't spend too much time on this passage from Matthew, the repetitious use of fruit here is not coincidental and ties in nicely to practicing goodness. The word used for fruit here is karpos and is considered to mean a result of some action or event meaning that in this context, the fruit or result or outcome produced by someone would be either good or bad based on the actions taken to make the result occur. This is also what people mean when they talk about fruit of the spirit and how your fruit is. The fruit of a hurting church is a church that does not grow or sustain life. The fruit of a loving church is one that grows and encourages its members to love others. This is also what is meant by let your light shine. If we are true believers and followers of Christ, then we should have a metaphorical light within us that others can see and be intrigued by. Just like our buddy in this passage, Gaius. John starts off talking about Gaius in verses 3 through 4, where he says, For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. This not only glorifies Christ, but can help encourage others to want the same joy that John, testimony givers, Gaius, and Jesus Christ feel here. They aren't only excited that someone else is coming to church, but also that they are 
believing in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Gaius was someone who would encourage other believers who were traveling by as well to keep in their faith. Similar to how we can reach out to our pastor or other members of the congregation for encouragement. Going back to the story I told earlier about my first church experience, it got quite rocky quite fast. They helped me start my seminary journey, but there was no real encouragement or assistance outside of financial support. So when my wife and I made the decision to no longer attend there, I also made the decision to not attend seminary unless I could afford it without the help of the church. On the other hand, however, guys share love in action by helping those who came through Ephesius. The beauty here is that he did this regardless of their position or if he knew them or not. We can see this reflected in verses 5 and 6, which says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers, as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Because Gaius is doing a faithful or believing trustworthy action here, the fruit of that is that people see the love one should demonstrate to everyone. As a believer in Christ, I also believe things like abortion, homosexuality, transgenderism, murder, rape, etc. are a sin. On the flip side of that though, it also doesn't mean I have to condone or accept a bad fruit. Just as I'm free to let a salesman know their product needs saving to be able to last, I am free to try and share the gospel with other sinners like myself in hopes that they want to gain eternal life. It's not always what you say, but in how you say it, that can also be the fruit of the efforts. Now we have plenty of references to go off of how Jesus sent people away from the Pharisees to the skeptics and unbelievers. In the same way that Jesus sent them on the way is the same way we should as well. In sending people on their way, we also have to be sure we are sending them with the proper tools. You wouldn't give a lumberjack a sickle to cut down a tree after all. 3 John 7 and 8 say, For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. By accepting nothing from the Gentiles or non-believers, the people Gaius sent out would not be influenced by worldly matters, but instead keep their head high towards Christ. It's an interesting consideration just how we arm and prepare others to deal with the world in front of them compared to being within the confines of the church. With that said, what are some ways that we can help and encourage others to deal with the world? One thing that has been lacking in every church I've attended, but has improved comparatively in the last two churches I've been in, is healthy Bible reading and study. There's many ways to read the Bible and apply what you read to your life, with soap being one of the more popular ones. Currently, however, I'm reading through how to do the Big Idea Bible Study, or BIBS for short. SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Given a part of Scripture, you read through it at least a few times and observe the context, repeating words or themes, etc. Then you make note of how you can apply the theme and what you discovered during observation to your life. And finally, you pray over it. 
Big Idea Bible Study is essentially how this and the last episode have been structured. While I used to be a heavy topical fan, I find I'm doing more acts of justice where the interest is in the passage itself and less so the topic being researched. As I'm just starting through this new method, I can't speak volumes about it, but I do encourage you, however, to focus your study on the context of what you are reading and not so heavy in the tools like commentaries, though I'm not saying they are bad, but they are tools and not scripture. Commentaries, study footnotes, etc. are very helpful to understand parts of scripture. I use study footnotes quite a bit in passages that don't make sense or intrigue me for a better understanding, but we need to be careful of how heavily we rely on the tools versus the actual word. The ultimate source of truth of the Bible is God, while the ultimate source of truth of the tools is the author. It is no different really than going to a Bible study at church or your pastor, for example, and asking for some deeper insight. It can still be God-led and inspired, but not God-authored. You can also keep in contact with those you serve and help serve. Even if it's a, hey, how are you, text every so often, or a conversation after church service. The more personable you are to others, the more they very well become that way, too. When I was a little kid, I used to be a little chatterbox. But if you knew me from the time I started elementary to graduating college, you wouldn't believe that. During those years, I was very much the stereotypical introvert, keeping to myself. It wasn't really until I started attending church and being a part of seeing others be welcoming and joyful that it became contagious. While not everyone can attend church, get out of their comfort zone or what have you, we can still find ways that allow us to communicate with others while being okay. You can find groups to join, ideally Christ-centered or biblically sound. I won't expound on this very much right now, but you can also look at joining fantasy groups like Dungeons & Dragons or other role-playing games. They allow you to express yourself through a fake character, which also helped me, for example, start just talking to others. As this episode comes to a close, I would like to end this episode off with a prayer. So if you can and you'd like to, please bow your head with me as we pray. Dear Father, thank you for blessing us, your adopted sons, daughters, and those seeking you, with being able to understand how we can share joy. Let us spend these days rejoicing in your love and remind us to continue praying without stopping. May the conversations through this episode be encouraging and uplifting to those who hear it so we can be like Gaius and love others, to encourage and welcome others not only to church but to eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Until next time, have a blessed season of growth.